Hello, guys, and welcome to the first ever edition of the Bombastic Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ellis, and today I'm joined by nobody. That won't always be the case. We're hoping to have a whole crew of players, former players, maybe some coaches, maybe DVH himself, maybe some of my coworkers that you like more than me. Who knows? And my bosses aren't listening. So we can do whatever we want on this prog- or this, this podcast here. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, in case you didn't catch it, we are going to be covering the Arkansas baseball team, hence the name Bombastic Podcast, you know, Bomb Walker Stadium. Also a little nod to Casey Opitz, who used to walk out to Mr. Bombastic. Uh, but yeah, we are the Bombastic Podcast, presented by Natty State Sports. It's going to be a fun time. We're going to bring you all the hard-hitting analysis that you love, all the coverage of the team. Uh I feel like this is the one thing I'm truly qualified to speak on. I, I am a, a bit of a goober in, in in life in big picture sense, and you've probably heard me on other programs and think, why would I want to listen to this guy twice a week? Um, but I feel like the Razorback baseball program has always been like my baby. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I just, I loved the program. I used to listen to Chuck Barrett, and that was kind of how I consumed it. And then as SEC Network became a thing, I had to start watching them more. And I remember at one point just being so excited that I could watch like midweek games and anything. I just, I just, anything I could get about the Razorback baseball program as a kid, I would do. And uh, so now that I'm, I'm older and I've gotten to cover the team professionally the last few years, it's been a blast. Uh, I'm just hoping I can make you guys' viewing experience, maybe 1% better. Some of you may be casual fans. Some of you may be diehard fans who know everything I'm about to tell you and you don't need me at all in this program. That's okay. Uh, maybe you might be a casual fan who loves Arkansas football and you, you're crazy about Razorback basketball and baseball you maybe cover casually or you watch it a little bit. Whatever the case may be, we're glad you're here. You're at the right spot. Uh, there is no, nowhere better to get your Arkansas baseball information. Uh, I, don't, I don't even feel that uncomfortable saying that, um, but we're going to have a good time on the show. We're going to cover all things Arkansas baseball. And like I said, there's going to be cooler people in here. If you if you if Andrew Ellis is just simply not enough for you, you could very well have some of my coworkers, my buddies, could have some players, maybe some of the best players on the team like hypothetically starting second baseman who are really prominent names. Perhaps maybe they might be on this podcast soon, who knows. Uh my close personal friend Dave Van Horn, I haven't spoken to him about this yet, but who knows? I'm sure he'll be reaching out soon. So Dave, if you're watching, we're rocking with you. We'll only talk about the good stuff, no worries. Um, but yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun and we hope that, you know, that you, you, you follow along this season and maybe it just helps a little bit, maybe in at the worst case scenario, I don't think I'm the worst hang in the world. So if you, if you listen to me rant for 30 minutes a day, I don't think it'll be too big of a deal. Um, so boys, let's jump right into it. We're not going to waste anyone's time. We're just going to hop right into this podcast and we're going to talk about this baseball team. We're going to go position by position and we're just going to talk about, we're going to scope out the scene. See what we got going on. And like I said, some of you may be diehard fans who are following this program year in, year out, and you're following the offseason, the transfer portal, and all that. And you know all this information. You don't need me, and you're sitting here waiting for me to get to the hard-hitting stuff. It's episode one. Sue me. We're going we're gonna to talk about the starting lineup. Who doesn't want to talk about the starting lineup? And uh, what better place to start than the catcher position? Arkansas, you know, last year this was a position where I think it's fair to say people were disappointed with the haul Arkansas had in the transfer portal. They bring in Parker Rowland from the JUCO ranks. You bring in Hudson Polk from Oklahoma. Neither guy was necessarily a proven commodity coming into last year. And I think I speak for a lot of people who were a little bit surprised that was the case. I mean, you think about the catchers Arkansas had in years past, like a James McCann, Grant Cook, Casey Opitz, Michael Turner in recent years. It's been a, a real position of strength for Arkansas. And even when they don't have a 
big time hitting catcher. They usually have a guy who's a big time defender or at least a senior leader with some experience that can kind of man the pitching staff back there. So I think that was one of the bigger questions of the offseason coming in is what was Arkansas going to do about their catcher position? You have Parker Rowland, who I mentioned, started most of the time last year, started almost every game in SEC play. Hudson Polk, who's his primary backup. Both of those guys are back. And so you have that to start with. Arkansas is a freshman, Ryder Helfrick, who many, including Dave Anhorn himself, weren't 100% sure was even going to be a Razorback. Didn't think they were going to get him on campus. They end up getting him, and he's proved to be everything you could have asked out of a freshman catcher and more. Looks like he's one of those guys who's going to push for a spot sooner rather than later. And uh, this is also a dude that Dave Van Horn dropped this comparison, says he's like James McCann, but better hitting as a freshman. Again, DVH's words, not mine. So if this kid ends up not being good, don't don't yell at me. Wasn't my fault. But uh, I have been watching Ryder Helfrick a lot this offseason. He had an oppo home run the other day. 104 the other side didn't even square it up uh this kid has a lot of talent he's as pro ready as a freshman catcher in college baseball can be and the crazy part is boys he might not even start opening day uh because arkansas didn't know they were going to get Ryder helfrick out of the draft so they went and got them a texas tech transfer hudson white who according to joe doyle a, a very respected nba mlb draft mine considers him one of the better hitting catchers in this up, upcoming draft he's a junior draft eligible this year Hudson White hit 296 at Texas Tech last year with 11 home runs. So the bats there, you talk about having a potentially a big hitting catcher. I think Hudson White would be that. The questions were all kind of on the defensive end. And looking at his stats last year, not great. Guys ran on him a good bit, had some errors, had some pass balls in there. And he wasn't Texas Tech's everyday catcher. And so he kind of split time with a younger guy there. And so I think that's the big question mark when Arkansas picked him up is, hey, can this guy catch every day? And with what we've seen these last few years, Bobby Wernis, assistant coach, former hog, great third baseman back in the day. He's kind of developed into one of the most underrated pieces of this team because every catcher Arkansas brings in ends up taking a massive jump defensively. And Hudson White, it seems like he's done just that. Again, I've been going to these scrimmages and watching in the fall and the spring. I don't consider myself a savant who's sitting here breaking down the technique or anything. But even I can speak to the improvement he's made. I mean, you just don't really notice any of these four catchers that I just mentioned. At those those scrimmages, it's not like guys are just stealing bases at will and there's pass balls and you know pitches they're struggling to block. Like I think all four of these catchers, from the time they arrived at Arkansas, even the transfers last year in Roland and Polk, have all taken massive steps forward. And I think Bobby Warnes deserves a lot of credit for that. And so given that defensive improvement Hudson White's made, I think he's the guy to beat here for this starting job in terms of who's going to start opening day. And you got four catchers, all of which they truly feel like they would be fine with having those guys catch every day. I think they feel good about their options. They're going to all start different times, but I think it's going to end up coming down to White and Helfrick. Uh, White also worth noting, I mentioned he hit 296 at, at Texas Tech last year. DVH referred to him as the best hitter on the team in the fall. Now, we keep me, me and my buddy Andrew Hutchinson and Daniel Sheen and a few others, we help compile stats. So we try to keep track of the offseason to see what's actually happening. Hate to fact check you, Dave, but he was not necessarily the best hitter in the fall. But I think that speaks to him saying that speaks to how they feel about this guy and his bat. So don't be surprised if you see Hudson White starting at DH some days, first base some days, catcher some days. Who knows? I mean, we saw Casey Opitz play second base in an exhibition for Arkansas back in the day. So we've uh, we've really pushed the limits on what catchers can do. But I think him and Helfrick, Hudson White and Hunt and Ryder Helfrick are the two guys that will end up rising to the top in this competition. But like I mentioned, you know, DVH says they feel like they have four catchers that they feel confident about. 
it's hard to disagree. I mean, Parker Rowland didn't hit it well last year. He has the team best OPS this offseason, 1.194. He's hit six home runs in these scrimmages, hitting 263. Again, is he going to carry that into the season? Should you be expecting him to? No, but I think it tells you that this guy, when he's not playing every day and not catching every day, might bring a little bit more to the table as a hitter than we thought. And so I think it's just another option. And, and you know, they really love his leadership there. So the catcher position at Arkansas is going from one last year where I think fans, a lot of places, were a little disappointed with the hall and how it played out. I think it's a clear area of strength here. So I think I feel really good about what Arkansas has got behind the plate. And I think we can all agree last year was a little bit of an outlier. Typically, more often than not, Arkansas feels pretty good behind the plate. I expect that to be the case. And so moving on to first base, I, again, I think Hudson White is going to be a huge factor here because of his bat and a, a little bit of because of the emergence of Ryder Helfrich. I just said that Ryder Helfrich might be James McCann with a better bat. That's not a guy who rides pine too often. So if he's going to be starting every day, what do you do with Hudson White? Again, I think his bat helps him stay in the lineup. I think it could be at first base. I think it could be at DH. For my money, the guy to beat out here at first base is Jack Wagner. Jack Wagner is a, a transfer, not to be confused with Jared Wagner, although it's pronounced Wagner because that's a Nebraska thing that we learned halfway through the season last year. But Jack Wagner is the new transfer this year for Arkansas. He comes in from Tarleton State University, and if you don't recognize that one, you may recognize Kansas because he used to play there as well. He was a teammate of Tavian Josenberger, and uh, the other day actually told me that Tavian played a big big role in him coming to Arkansas and seeing him thrive, and so I guess he's kind of hoping to do the same thing. And Jack Wagner's an interesting one because, again, he didn't he didn't have a ton of gaudy numbers at Kansas. He, he has a Tommy John surgery, which you don't hear often for a non-pitcher, has Tommy John surgery, and he was playing outfield back in the day, takes a year off, hits the transfer portal, goes to Tarleton State, and has a massive year. Hits over 340 with 14 home runs, despite only having a couple home runs in his entire career before that. So it seems like he obviously was playing at a lower level, took a nice little jump last year, and uh, I love what DVH had to say about him. He said he brings a little bit of attitude to the lineup. And uh, I actually, whenever DVH said that, I went, I reached out to Jack Wagner to let him know, hey, DVH says, says you bring a little bit of a attitude to the lineup, and he said, I love that. And uh, Jack Wagner, friend of the program, you might see his face on this program. Again, we can do anything here on this podcast. We're going to get into it all, but uh, I think he's the guy to beat there at first base. I think Hawk fans are going to really like him, and he brings a little bit of that tenacity that we've seen in former players. Peyton Holtz, the guy we're going to get to later. That kind of personality, a guy that's going to be high energy, uh, has some pop in the bat, but he's really just a tough out. This offseason, Jack Wagner is hitting 304 in the scrimmages that I have been in attendance for. Uh, and so with that sample size, not a huge one, but you're looking at 46 at-bats. So pretty solid. And against Arkansas's pitching, it's hard to uh, hard not to be impressed with numbers like that. But I feel good about what he can do. And Ben McLaughlin is a name many of you guys may remember from last year. I think he's going to be a huge factor in this, this first base conversation. Could end up being DH, could end up being third base. I think Ben McLaughlin is going to. We're going to hear his name a lot, even if we don't hear him, hear his name called opening day to start. Ben McLaughlin only hit 190 this offseason in the scrimmages I've 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 uh, attended. DVH was asked about him after the fall. He says he was he was pressing a little bit, faced a lot of lefties. They're not too worried about it. He feels like they fixed something with his swing in that little break between the fall and the spring. So he hit a home run the other day, got a little bit of help from the wind. Uh Ben McLaughlin's a guy that down the stretch last year really hit the ball well. There was a point where he was hitting in the three hole for Arkansas and DH in every day back when they were having some injuries. And so you know, Ben McLaughlin, Peyton Holt, these are guys that were not everyday starters last year. But I would say this coaching staff views them as starting level players. And down the stretch last year, they were playing just about every day. 
and uh, had a lot of success. So I think those those are two guys who are, you could argue, overqualified for their roles, which are basically fringe starters on this team. Ben McLaughlin, I said, might not even hear his name called opening day, but I think whether it's DH, first base, maybe the occasional start at third base, we'll hear Ben McLaughlin's name, and he'll have his chance to kind of solidify his claim in this lineup. Uh, moving over to the second base, we got a guy you named Peyton Stovall. You ever heard of him? If you haven't, you might hear from him soon on this very program. But uh, Peyton Stovall, one of the most coveted recruits in Arkansas baseball history, and I don't say that lightly. He uh, he turned down a lot of money to come be an Arkansas Razorback two years ago and was basically the everyday first baseman on that 2022 Arkansas team that went all the way to the College World Series semifinals. And for those of you that don't remember, he had a lot of expectations coming into his career at Arkansas. It was like the preseason SEC player or SEC freshman of the year, according to D1 Baseball. And Peyton will tell you, Dave will tell you, that kind of got with him a little bit. It kind of got to him and got in his head. And he he also had some injuries. He's he's had a few different injuries in his career at Arkansas. But I think that combined with the expectations his freshman year took him a while to get going. But this is a guy that was dominant in the NCAA tournament as a true freshman, really paved the way for Arkansas's run down the stretch. And so a guy that we probably haven't seen the best case scenario of his career at Arkansas through two years. He had a really bad shoulder injury that look guys, I know that you weren't just, you weren't, you weren't pleased with what you saw from Peyton Stovall last year. He wasn't pleased with it either, but I think people don't realize that shoulder was bugging him a lot more and uh, he played through it as long as he could. And if you go through his game log, you can almost point it back to the exact time where he, his power just left. And it wasn't a coincidence. This guy was playing through something that ended up being a lot worse than they realized a torn labrum, but they got that repaired in the off season. They feel pretty good. He's already back. He was, he played in the scrimmages this past weekend, although missed the first due to a, due to an illness. Don't know what that was about, but uh, his arm looks fine. He's playing second base defensively. We have no issues here. Uh, this is a guy that's really gotten better and better since he got on campus was a, a potentially a shortstop for Arkansas when he first came in. I think he's really found his home at second base. And look, I'm not saying he's Robert Moore, but I think he's as good as just about any Arkansas second baseman on the defensive end. And, you know, the bat potential is certainly there. I mean, this is a guy that even considering the slow start to his freshman year still hit 295 uh, as a true freshman at the University of Arkansas. So it's not like this is some guy that's just been underachieving dramatically and is a bust or anything like that or, or what fans try to pretend. Uh, only hit 250 last year with two home runs. I think that put a little bit of a sour taste in fans' mouths, but uh, or 253 last year with three home runs, I should say. But I think I, I would be on the right side of the history of history here with Peyton Stovall. This kid's a stud. I think when we see him healthy this year, we'll see what he's really capable of. He's draft eligible. It's time for Peyton Stovall to to step up. He, he was recently named a team captain, and I think we're expecting big things from Peyton Stovall. And again, even if he can't, we're talking about a guy in Peyton Holt who just moves right over there at second base. Uh, we've seen what he can do in that role, and there's one thing this Arkansas team has, it's position player depth. So even if Stovall were to have another injury, Arkansas would find a way to make it work. But uh, I'm I'm very, very bullish on what Stovall can do. Former uh, Houghton High School, I don't know what their mascot is, but Peyton Stovall is from the great state of Louisiana. So I always got to support my my boot boys, my uh, especially the boot boys that turn into Razorbacks. Those are, those are the best kind. Um, behind him, you're looking at a freshman, Nolan Souza, also from Hawaii, who we will get has been an important state for Arkansas on this baseball team. And uh, Arkansas has had some fun Hawaiian players in the past. You're talking about Rick Nomura. That's pretty much it. But Arkansas has got a couple now in Vahiva, Loy, and Nolan Souza. Um, and I think, I think you're going to like these kids, but Nolan Souza, you're probably not going to hear from him this year, but ton of talent. He's an interesting one to watch. I think he'd probably be your primary backup there. We'll move on over now to third base where I've mentioned Peyton Holt. I was asked today, 
if there's a guy who's the glue guy or the spark plug for this Arkansas baseball team, who is it going to be? And it's the easiest question of all time for this one. I mean, Peyton Holt, if you go to any scrimmage, if you go to any game, if you just see the Arkansas baseball team eating to dinner one night, you're probably going to hear Peyton Holt and Bobby Wernis. Those are the two voices you'll hear a lot of. But Peyton Holt is, like I said, spark plug on this team. Uh, brought a lot of energy to the, uh, to the lineup last year. He's from Greenwood, which has produced no shortage of Razorback legends. Uh, Connor Nolan most recently on the baseball squad. Tyler Wilson back in the day. Drew Morgan. And the list goes on. Grant, or, uh, Peyton Holt kind of has that DNA. You can tell he loves being a Razorback. And those are the kind of guys that really turn into fan favorites. You know, your Carson Shaddy type of guy. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Carson Shaddy, but we're talking about a guy that had a massive year, was hitting 370 at one point last year. I don't know what he ended up in the, from from the from a batting average standpoint, but Peyton Holt's had a pretty solid offseason. Uh, numbers might not blow you away, but I asked DBH after the fall, I said, is there a guy that returned from last year who's maybe taken that jump and solidified themselves as an everyday starter? Peyton Holt, he said, without a question, that was the guy who stuck out to him. And uh, he's not a team captain. Peyton or uh, Peyton Stovall, Kendall Diggs, and Hagen Smith are three team captains. But I think Peyton Holt is just a, a sneaky guy to watch. And Hog fans already know him and love him. I think he's going to bring a lot of juice to this lineup, and he'll be a little. Bit, he'll bring a little bit of a consistency that this team really needs. And uh, I'm, I, I can't believe it took me this long to get to the shortstop position, but we did try to go in order here. But Vahiva Aloy, I can't stop talking about this dude. I keep my, my girlfriend Hillary is tired of hearing about Vahiva Aloy, but every time he hits a home run in a scrimmage, I come home, I say, hey, babe, that Hawaiian shortstop homered again. He did it again. Vahiva Aloy spent his freshman year at Sacramento State where he hit 376 with 14 home runs right off the bat. And this is similar to Hudson White where I, he, he commits to Arkansas. I'm like, okay, awesome hitter. Yeah, that seems like a big pickup. Shortstop, awesome. But then I look at the defensive numbers. I'm seeing he made like close to 20, I think it was 18 errors as a true freshman. And so I'm like, all right, there's your uh, there's your hole there. That's where that's the downside. Um, I asked DVH about his defense, and, and DVH was like, man, it was almost all throwing. He had some weird something going on with his throwing motion from shortstop. And I asked Vahiva himself, and he said that almost every error he made as a true freshman was a throwing error. I have not sifted through the South Sacramento State baseball footage to to fact check either of those men on that claim, but I've been watching him play baseball this fall. If, if if I had told you that this guy made 18 errors last year, you would not believe it based on the way he's been picking it in, in, uh, in fall ball and spring practices. I can only think of one error off the top of my head that he's made in all of these scrimmages, which is you know 12 or 15 at this point, so a pretty solid sample size. Really good athlete. He looks a little bit, at least body type and build. He reminds me of Jalen Battles. Now, before everyone says that's blasphemous, he is not a, as clean and as smooth of a defender as Jalen Battles, nor am I, nor is Curtis over here to my left, nor is anyone. Nobody is as good or smooth as Jalen Battles at shortstop. But I think Vahiva Lloyd, just body type and just looking at him physically, he looks very similar. And I've heard from a very good source that he's even stronger and bigger and more athletic than Jalen Battles. I think defensively, again, I'm not saying he's that good of a defender. But I think he's more than serviceable, and I was I've been impressed with what I've been seeing. He's got a good throwing arm too; it just apparently wasn't accurate at one point. But apparently, that's all it takes is cleaning it up. And uh, from what I've heard about this kid, he really, really loves being coached, which is rare these days in college college sports, where you have all these guys getting paid nil and all these kids that are stars and you know potential first rounders, especially a guy like Bahiva Aloy, who is kind of becoming. He's a true sophomore, by the way, is already one of the top fifty players in his class. 
I think whenever he starts doing what I expect him to do this spring, I think he's going to rise up even higher. I think we're looking at a guy that might be a first-round pick. And I know people like to say stuff like that all the time. This kid has hit seven home runs in these scrimmages. And again, I I told you Jack Wagner had 46 at-bats. Not a huge sample size. I'm sure it's maybe 50, 55 at-bats for Vahiva, but seven home runs. He's hitting them to left field. He's hitting them to right field. He hit a home run the other day against Jake Faraday, who is... For we'll we'll talk about him later, but Jake Faraday throws as hard as anyone. He's from St. Louis. Throws 97 with an 89 mile an hour slider. He's all over the place, wild. Um, but he's kind of an interesting pitcher on this Arkansas team to see if he can make a step forward in his junior year. But but he Aloy faced him, and it was a it was a three one count, and Jake Faraday threw him a slider. I don't think Vahiva was sitting on a slider. I think he was sitting fastball and just got out in front of it and was kind of fooled on the pitch and still hit it 108 miles an hour over 400 feet to left center. This kid is so talented. He does stuff on accident that is good. And I just think, I think Hog fans are going to love him. He does strike out a good bit. I'm not going to lie to you guys. He really likes to strike out. But when you do damage like him and you're all, and you're from Hawaii and you've got the long hair and you're, your name's Vahiva Loy, sometimes you swing through a slider every now and then. It happens. But uh, yeah, like I said, seven home runs. He's also led the team in batting average which is pretty insane, again, for a guy who strikes out in like a third of his at-bats, for him to be leading this team in batting average. You're you're basically looking at a walk, a strikeout, or a ball coming 109 miles an hour out the chute. That's what you're looking at with Vahiva Aloy. Again, we talked about how the catcher position was a little bit of a spot where some folks were wondering why Arkansas didn't have a bigger upgrade at that position. They don't have to worry about that here. This is I love John Bolton. I'm a huge fan. I'm a defender of his game. I thought he he was serviceable for Arkansas when he needed to be last year. Vahiva Aloy is not John Bolton. This is a whole different caliber of talent. And uh, like I said, truly a potential first, second round pick type of dude. I think Hawk fans are going to have a lot of fun watching him and we'll see how he can grow. And they're going to get two years of him, which is pretty crazy. Moving over to the outfield. This is a big position here because you think about the guys Arkansas had in the outfield. You had Kendall Diggs played part-time in right field, but it was DH in most of the time. But you're talking about Kendall Diggs, a huge bat. Jace Borfin in right field, team captain. Hit 15 home runs, drove hit in the middle of the order, drove in a ton of runs for this Arkansas team, hit almost 300. Jared Wagner, as dominant as any hitter on the team, drove in a ton of runs, 14 home runs, ton of power, ton of run, run driving in. Tavian Josenberger was your leadoff guy, led you in stolen bases, hit around 300, also had a career high and hit over 10 home runs. Like, that's a lot of pop. That's a lot of run driving potential, and that Arkansas is going to have to replace. I mentioned Kendall Diggs. He's staying around. He's going to be in right field, and we know Kendall Diggs is going to hit, but he can't do it all. And so I think you, when you look about this team and what they're going to have to replace from last year, we talked about how they're much better in the catcher and shortstop positions, and that's true. And I look around the infield, and I feel pretty good about all those spots that I just listed. Arkansas's got to – it's not that I, I worry about this outfield, but that's a lot of production for them to replace, and I don't, I don't think it has to come – I'm not saying Ty Wilmsmeyer has to all of a sudden be Tavian Josenberger – but I think you're looking at some of these outfielders and you're wondering, where's that power potential going to come from? Like, Are they going to replace all of that production? And if not, where is it coming from? I think one of the biggest X factors on this baseball team is Jason Jones. One of the most talented players in his class. He's now a true sophomore for Arkansas. Played a, played a decent amount as a true freshman. Was not an everyday starter. Kind of saw some time at third, some time at first. Even made one start in left field. Uh, which was in Starkville against Mississippi State. And it was kind of on a whim. Arkansas had all these injuries going on, and they finally just said, screw it. Uh, let's take this big athletic kid. And let's throw him out there in left field and see if he can start. 
He ended up having to leave that game because he got hit in the helmet with a pitch. Uh, but I think it tells you that they were thinking about throwing him in the outfield even last year when he was a freshman. And this offseason, I think they they realized his best chance to help this team is if he can win that left field job. And you talk about power potential. Jason Jones has as much of it as just about anyone. Um, I, I wanted to go through a little bit of what he did this summer. So he hit 196 at Arkansas last year. Again, didn't play every day. You know, didn't get consistent playing time. Had some moments, had some monster. I mean, he had he had a couple home runs that were 400 plus feet. You saw kind of the vision of what he could be, but didn't play every day. Didn't really have that chance to put it together. He went to the Northwoods League this summer, and I thought put together a really productive summer. I was kind of keeping track of it because I knew he would be a, a guy that might have a chance to break out. So he ends up the summer in the Northwoods League hitting 275. He has a he slugs 461, which is a pretty good number. And again, this is not the he's not facing SEC pitching day in and day out there. But I also love that he got over on base over 40% of the time, which, as crazy as it sounds, he did that last year despite hitting 196. He still had a 403 on base percentage, which for if you're not a math guy, you're getting on base 40% of the time in baseball, you're pretty good. Uh, and it's really hard to do that when you're only hitting 196, but he does that because he draws a ton of walks. Now, Jason Jones, like Vahiva Aloy, will strike out a good bit. There's some swing and miss in his game, and when you're a guy with his power, you'll kind of take that trade off. But what I love that he did this summer, he he struck out 34 times in 49 games, but he also walked 36 times. He was he drew more walks than strikeouts while also hitting eight home runs and having 10 doubles. I thought it was a productive summer for Jason Jones, and he really turned it on there late. And again, we're not saying he was facing SEC pitching. We're not saying, hey, he's going to take those stats and extrapolate it. But you see the vision of what he can possibly be for Arkansas. And you talk about potential and upside, and these are words we like to throw around in baseball. Jason Jones has as much of it as anybody uh, on this entire roster, and that's pitchers, hitters. I mean, he mishits balls that go in the gap off the wall. I mean, the other day he got he uh, he went to a knee on a breaking ball and still somehow hit it off the wall in left center field. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has too much talent to even know what to do with sometimes. Good athlete, too, and there was a lot of conversations when he was coming out of high school about where he was going to play defensively. Could he play shortstop, third, first? Honestly, I wouldn't have guessed that left field would be it. But he looks good out there, and I would say, given his athletic profiles, borderline overqualified for that spot defensively. And like I said, the power potential is really the key here. And look, I'm not guaranteeing that Jason Jones starts in left field. There's plenty of options, and we'll talk about them. But I think, I don't think it's, I don't even think it's a secret. I think this coaching staff wants him to win that job because they know he's a talented kid. The best version of this Arkansas team probably involves Jason Jones hitting in the seven hole and providing some pop. That's just kind of the way I view it, but uh, we'll talk about some of these other options. Will Edmondson's a kid that I'm fascinated by. For those that don't know, Will Edmondson is a JUCO transfer who came from the same college as Ben McLaughlin, uh, so I think they're just going back to that well. He did not play hardly at all as a freshman in JUCO. He's a small kid. If you see him, you would not be like, oh, this is a future star. He's like 5'10", 170, small guy. He did not play like hardly. He did not hit a home run, did not steal a base. He had a few at-bats here, and I don't even remember his numbers, but he hit like 250 with no real pop as a true freshman in Juco. And so, again, you just, no disrespect, you're just looking at that guy, and you're like, all right, he's probably not like a prospect, not really anyone to keep in mind. Keep in mind. He has a massive step up, hits over 440 as a, as a sophomore in Juco, has 14 home runs, steals over 20 bases. Kind of out of nowhere at Hutchinson's Community College, just was couldn't nobody could get him out. And uh, what's interesting about him is I mentioned Jason Jones walks a ton and he'll strike out a ton. Will Edmondson doesn't strike out a lot, but he doesn't walk a lot. He's just 
super aggressive at the plate, enough power to kind of threaten you with. He's hit two home runs in these scrimmages for Arkansas this offseason. He's hit 296 against Arkansas pitching this offseason, which again, like he doesn't he doesn't walk a ton. He doesn't necessarily have a ton of power, definitely not at this level and compared to some of these other guys. But if you're hitting 296 against Razorback pitching consistently, we got to take you seriously. And I think everyone should absolutely be taking Will Edmondson seriously. Uh, he's been playing center field in most of these scrimmages. I think defensively, he's more of a corner outfielder. I don't. I think arm strength wise, and I think Ty Wilmsmeyer is just clearly the center fielder for this team. So I don't think there's any real debate there. But I think Edmondson's got a chance to to work his way, especially if Jones is not able to put it together and become the consistent power threat that we all kind of hope and think he can be. I think Will Edmondson's uh is an interesting one to watch, and he's he's really made it a competition this offseason, which is about as much as you can ask for. Another guy I should mention here, Ross Lovich, whose brother Eli Lovich, I've heard, is a very good ball player, and he's committed to the Razorbacks. I think he's maybe class of 2025. Ross Lovich uh came over from Missouri with his buddy Ty Wilmsmeyer, who I'm about to project to start in center field. Lovich is an interesting one because he only played 28 games last year for Missouri, but he hit 304. And this is a guy that has over 100 games of starting experience at an SEC school in Missouri. Well, we call it an SEC school. It's Missouri. It's somewhat of an SEC school. But this is a guy who's got a ton of experience, had not had a tremendous career, was kind of around a 260 hitter, not a ton of experience. But he hits 304 last year before he goes down with an injury. So when he committed, that was kind of my big question of like, all right, is he, gonna, is he the guy he was his first three years who's just a – serviceable 250 maybe hit a home run here or there kind of fourth outfielder type of guy for Arkansas or is he the guy who hit 328 games and started to show a little bit of some pop he's only hitting 161 in these offseason scrimmages he, he had a little bit of uh, trouble with an injury in the fall so he missed a little bit of time hasn't exactly run away with the position so that the left field is a little bit wide open and uh I you know I mentioned Ty Wimsmeyer who I'll, I'll, I'll dive into a little bit here in a second I think that Kendall Diggs has right field locked up I think DH is going to come down to who's not catching, who's not playing first base. Jason Jones could maybe play there, but I think that left field is kind of the biggest question mark on this team because we really don't know who's going to play. You could talk yourself into it. I'm sure there's some people listening who don't think Jason Jones is going to play. I'm sure there's some who don't know who Will Edmondson is and have no doubt it's going to be Jason Jones. You can make that argument however you want. I think these next few weeks of these scrimmages, that'll be something we're looking forward to is just who gets that not opening day. And it'll probably carry over into the season, but Ty Wilmsmeyer is another one that's fascinating. And I talked about how Ross Lovich had a little bit of a, a peak last year that we weren't sure was real or not. Ty Wilmsmeyer, for his career, he so he started off, he hits 244 his first year as a full, full starter at Missouri. He bumps that up as a junior to about 273, still in the three to four home run range, so not a ton of power. Last year, he took he had career highs and everything. Hits 311 in the SEC, which again, at Missouri, fake SEC school, but he did it against SEC pitching. Got to take that into account. Hit seven home runs, which again, not a, not a massive amount, but that was a career high for him, so maybe there's something to build on there. Ten doubles, which I like, and he stole 21 bases. And so I think as a center fielder, tremendous defender. I mean, I'm not, you know, Arkansas's had a lot of really good defenders, so I'm not going to say he's better than Braden Webb or better than Benintendi or better than Dominic Fletcher or whoever, but I think Ty Wilmsmeyer is going to fit right in. You will be very pleased with what you see out of this guy as a defender in center field and as an athlete. And the bat is fascinating. So he has not lit it up. And DBH actually, I mean, one of his press conferences after the fall was like, yeah, Wilmsmeyer just, he just didn't hit it all in the fall. 
And I thought it was so funny that he said it so bluntly like that. But I think the reason he said it so bluntly is because you're looking at a fifth-year guy who has proven experience in the SEC, and they expect him to be better, and they're hoping he's better. He did have two hits the other day, including a double that he legged out. I, I like this guy. I don't think he's going to blow you away. He's not going to be like your favorite hog of all time. He's not. He might not have the most toolsy repertoire that you're going to just be blown away by. I think you're going to be pleased with this guy, and I think when you look at the other skill sets and what other guys bring to the table, his consistency and his steadiness, especially as a defender and as an athlete, are really going to be huge for this team. The one thing I'm not crazy about, only drew two, 27 walks in his last two seasons, which is 105 games. So again, not a huge walk guy. So if you have him and Will Edmondson in your outfield, I think it's not a ton of power and not a ton of walks. I don't think that's necessarily the most sustainable formula, but that's kind of what makes this thing fun. And and uh, we'll see what all these guys do in these next few weeks of these scrimmages to kind of see who rises to the top. But I think that's generally generally your outline of what this roster and what this lineup could look like. One guy whose name I didn't even mention, I can't believe I didn't mention it, is Jared Spraglot, who came over from Richmond and is basically Arkansas's backup second baseman, backup shortstop, backup third baseman, could probably play first if they really needed him to. This is a guy that last year at Richmond hit 314 with 13 home runs, and he comes to Arkansas on the transfer portal. Every other year, you look at a guy like that, and he's a you just pencil him into your lineup right away. But he, he probably would have hit fifth for Arkansas last year, and he definitely would have started at shortstop for Arkansas last year. Guys, I got to be honest, I just don't see a path to Jared Spraglot starting in, in uh, for this Arkansas infield. If there were a spot, it's probably third base. But again, I love Peyton Holt and got the Greenwood guy that's the spark plug. Not everyone can play. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of other guys you can mention. I mean, Reese Robinette has had some big moments for Arkansas. I mean, he hit a home run against LSU to kind of give them that huge win in that game one. A lot of people remember that. He also was really good last year in the offseason. I remember there was a time where I was kind of debating whether or not I liked him or Jason Jones more. I really got to that point. So Reese Robinette's a big left-handed bat that brings a ton of pop. Could play first, could DH, could play third base. You know, I, I feel bad for him and Nolan Souza because they're both promising young players, but it's just like we're looking at this roster and a lot of mouths to feed. Normally a term you don't hear in baseball. That's what you hear in basketball. But this Arkansas baseball team, they've got mouths to feed. And I think that's the case in the lineup. That's the case in the pitching staff. And look, guys, I don't know if they're going to win a national championship. I, we're not we're not ready to talk about that yet, but I could not be more excited about just this team and seeing what they can do. I mean, it's not every year that you can realistically make the argument this is the most talented team at Arkansas you've ever seen. That's something we like to throw around and we like to say, and I know DVH last year got in trouble for saying that it was the best pitching staff. It's the most deep pitching staff he's ever had or whatever. We take stuff like that lightly and we say it a lot, but I think when you compare this roster just from a talent standpoint to years past, this is as good as any you've seen. And I think you can make a real argument and maybe at one point in the season, we'll break it down between this and the 2018 team, which team has the most talent. But in terms of future MLB guys, uh, power, potential contact, some speed. I mean, Arkansas has every skill set you could possibly want in this lineup. Defensively, we've seen this team be among the best in the entire country the last couple of years. We'll see. I mean, Vahiva Aloy, I think he's a really good, I think he's, he's got a chance to be a good shortstop. Peyton Stovall, I love him as a second baseman. We'll see what their chemistry is like up the middle and if they they have that double play combo working. Jack Wagner's overqualified as a first baseman, which DVH loves to do, have a first baseman who played somewhere else. He he very rarely recruits someone as a first baseman. You usually have your, your Trevor Ezell, your Peyton Stovall, in this case, Jack Wagner. So 
it's not like Jack Wagner is an elite defender, but at first base, I feel pretty good about that guy. And uh, Peyton Holt at third base is, is like I said, glue guy, spark plug. He does it all. Peyton, Peyton Holt just wills things into existence. And uh, I mentioned behind the plate the progression that those catchers have made. I, guys, I just don't see a ton of weaknesses that really give me concern. I mean, I mentioned that the outfield has a lot of power production that they're going to have to make up. But just looking at this team, I don't. there's not a ton that, that sticks out that you're just like, man, what are they going to do here? So we'll see how it plays out. We're really excited to get this season going over at Natty State Sports. I know John is looking forward to it. Curtis and Scotty are, are still appreciating their basketball win last night, and, and we all are. We, we, we needed a basketball win, and uh, we are still going to cover this Arkansas basketball team to the best of our ability. I mean, as long as they make this sucker run, and who knows, maybe they'll make it fun for us down the stretch, but for those of you that are still trying to count down the days till baseball season, we got you covered here, and we hope you to continue to join us here on this Natty State Sports Bombastic Podcast. Before we get going, just want to let you guys know that we are Good pals with the boys over at Alumni Hall, who actually has the best selection of Razorback fan gear, the ultimate Razorback shopping destination. If you're watching on YouTube, you see the banner at the bottom with the link below. If you're listening to us here, we appreciate you joining us on. Go to a website, nattystatesports.com slash alumni hall for all your Razorback gear. They've got the baseball hats. They've got the shirts. They've got the kids clothes. They've got the pet clothes. You could put clothing on any type of item you want. Those hats that everyone asks about, those uh, yellow ones that they did for cancer awareness a few years ago that were awesome. People love those. The charcoal hats that you see the coaches wearing, they got them at Alumni Hall. To my knowledge, are the only place that has them. Jerseys, hoodies, shirts, sweaters, whatever. Alumni Hall's got some good stuff cooking up, and we've heard murmurs. They might have some new items coming that the Razorback baseball team might be wearing. We'll leave it at that. Like I said, nattystatesports.com slash alumni hall. Go check those guys out. You will not be disappointed. We appreciate you joining us here on this first ever edition of the Bombastic Podcast. And like I said earlier, we're hoping to get some guests in here. We're hoping to evolve this show a little bit. Um, hopefully, John and Branson aren't listening by this point, so I can really tell y'all it's going to be awesome. It's going to be weird, and we're going to do all kind of crazy stuff. Uh, it's going to be a fun time. And like I said, if, if, this, if this podcast makes your viewing experience or your listening experience for the season 1% better than, than we accomplished what we needed to do, I'm Andrew Ellis. I appreciate you guys joining me, and I look forward to uh, hosting another one of these episodes, hopefully Tuesday, and we'll see. Perhaps it won't be just me. Perhaps my face is not going to be the only one you have to hear or see or listen to for the entire time. Uh, it's just the beginning, boys. It's going to be a fun year, so let's strap in, and we'll talk a little bit more about the pitching staff next week after another week of scrimmages. We'll have updates for those on Twitter, on social media. Might even post something on our site about it. Go to nattystatesports.com. We're going to have it all covered, um, but we're looking forward to it. We're, we're excited for a nice baseball season, and I hope you are too. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, this has been the Dom, the Bombastic Podcast. Forgot my podcast name for a second there. Jeez. <laughs>